You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. Finally here, Super Tuesday, the day which will either make or break multiple different candidates' campaigns. This year, multiple different candidates have a lot to prove or else they could be out. Former Vice President Joe Biden is riding high off of his big win in South Carolina, in which he won decisively over Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Though in spite of that, Sanders himself still sees potential in some states. Two of the largest states competing tonight, Texas and California, currently have polls that show Sanders having a decisive lead in both of those states. But Biden still believes he has skin in the game as he currently holds a lead in North Carolina and Virginia, whereas polls in states like Oklahoma are down to the wire, completely tied. Another person who has a lot to prove tonight is Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Warren has not done well polling-wise in Nevada and South Carolina, and her home state is up tonight. Polls show Warren down eight points to Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, and some believe her candidacy could be in jeopardy if she doesn't win in her own home state. Another candidate who has a lot to prove, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Bloomberg has poured millions and millions of dollars into his campaign. And many believe this could be a make-or-break night for him. This is also the first time he's on the ballot, which means a poor performance could destroy his campaign. But a strong performance in multiple states could define his campaign. Right now, Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard is considered the long shot, as she's failed uh, to make uh, well over 1% in most of the primaries and caucuses so far. On the Republican side, former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld is hoping for some last-minute potential to go up against Donald Trump, the incumbent president of the United States in the Republican primary. However, right now, Weld has a lot to prove, as Donald Trump is well ahead in the delegate count and has won most of the primaries decisively. Also, Weld lacks a lot of name recognition. Some primaries have been canceled by their state Republican parties, but others have not. And Weld is hoping to perform as well as possible on this date. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Politics Weekly. Uh, We're here this week uh, with the Now You Hear Me podcast. Thank you for joining me. Now hear me out. Oh, now hear me out. Sorry. No worries. The Now Hear Me Out podcast. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you, thank for you so much us. for having us. So uh, tell me a little bit about what you do on uh, your podcast. So pretty much the reason why we created the podcast was just because 
my father is, uh, as we say, you know, he's a conservative. He's the uh, secretary of the California Republican Party. And uh, I myself am a bleeding heart liberal. And for parents and, and siblings or people who, who disagree um, with, you know, family member on, on something political, it kind of tends to get nasty and aggressive or you just make a pact like we're not going to talk about politics because nobody can do it in a respectful manner. And we kind of figured out, you know, people should be talking about politics. It's an election year. And if you can't have a respectful conversation with somebody, you know, who you're supposed to love and who's supposed to love you, then how are we going to, you know, expect to communicate with just people out in the world who have differing political opinions than ourselves? All right. So well, really on the podcast, we seek to like, yeah, to, to pretty much communicate with each other, even if we disagree in a respectful manner. But yeah. And, and what we're also trying to do is to, you know, is to take try to take his politics out of government as much as we can. And so so one of our beliefs right now is 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 the whole reason behind having politics is, is politics is, is a way we elect representatives who then. Uh, take care of the we, and uh, and the we is 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 government, and so government should be out there trying to make all of our lives better. All right. Well, with that said, why don't we jump right into the news? Uh, so this week, uh, the Nevada caucus results finally came in. Uh, the consensus is that uh, Bernie Sanders is officially. Uh, the front runner on the Democratic side for president. Sanders won overwhelmingly uh, in the uh, primary uh, caucuses. Um, Sanders won with uh, 46.8% of the vote. Joe Biden came in second with 20% of the vote. Uh, Pete Buttigieg came in third with 14% of the vote. Uh, and uh, the rest of the candidates did not uh, meet uh, the uh, deadline to qualify to get enough delegates. Um, this uh, means that uh, uh, this essentially solidifies Bernie Sanders' uh, lead as the front runner. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the Nevada caucus results? No, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I look, you know. Bernie has been, you know, Bernie Sanders, uh, Senator Sanders has been campaigning for president uh, for a number of years now. And so, you know, he, he, he seems to have a following of young people. And I know he's also very big in the Hispanic community. And, 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 and to me, what it says is that, uh, one, uh, uh, he has a following that's not going away. Two... One of my concerns, though, is is um, is what are the superdelegates going to do to him at the convention? And, and we keep hearing. I, I know I saw there was a uh, uh, there, uh, there was a uh, a survey done of about ninety two Democratic superdelegates the other day, and uh, and most of them said that uh, that if Bernie Sanders has a majority of delegates going into the convention, they would not vote for him. Uh, to be president at the convention. So uh, on the one hand, I think Bernie's very popular. On the other hand, I think he, he is going to be facing an uphill battle here with the, uh, with the mainstream uh, of the Democratic Party. 
Oh, I completely agree. I mean, I think Bernie, um, he's very polarizing. I feel like you either love him or you're terrified of him, in a sense. And, you know, the word socialist gets thrown around all the time as this this huge negative. But I think, unfortunately, Bernie has polarized a lot of people with his praise recently for um, Fidel Castro. And I, I think... I hope he has a chance, you know, I, I hope he does. But I think with the whole superdelegate stuff, I feel like he might be blocked from actually getting the presidential nominee. What do you think? Oh, me? Yeah. I, I, I don't give my opinions on the show. Oh, you don't? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Okay. That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. We're so used to, uh... We're so used to opinionated, you know, yeah. people come and come up with, so I, I'm sorry about that. No, but no, 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 it's I, fine, it's fine. <laughs> but I think Bernie Sanders, I mean, people love him. I think he's one of the few candidates that hasn't really changed their their position on things as much. I know he's not going away. No, he's not going away. You know, hell or high water, heart attack or not, um, you know, Bernie's going to be around. So I, I, I hope we can, I personally hope we can see him get the nomination, but I, I don't know how hopeful I am for him winning the presidency. Well, I thought it was interesting, though, how, how Michael Bloomberg yesterday actually asked Ask for uh, Bernie's health records. I know, uh, right? So, uh, I mean, they're just doing this back and forth right now. You know, it's obvious they don't like each other. But you know, look, when you're the top dog, people are going to take pot shots at you. Um, now, you guys live in California. Uh, obviously, Super Tuesday is coming up. There's a big primary in California. How do you uh, foresee the Democratic primary in California going? Well, right now, Bernie's leading. It's hard to tell by how much, uh, but uh, the polls I see right now say say that he's up. Uh, you know, I think uh, Buttigieg, Buttigieg. You know, I I think he's also popular out here. Uh, I mean, California is this uh, this interesting state because it's got a Democratic supermajority, but it's both part of the Democratic establishment. And then it's pretty far left too. Uh, so, I mean, but but right now, you know, the polls I see say that uh, uh, Bernie should win it. But Harry, what, what do you think? I mean, personally, and I, I think you know, I work in marketing, and so I, I know personally that you can get polls to kind of trend whatever way and whatever direction you kind of want them to trend. So I don't know how necessarily reliable certain polls are, but I do see Bernie coming out on top. I do know that there are a lot of Elizabeth Warren fans um, as well. So I'm I'm genuinely curious to see how it turns out. I mean, we really did think Biden, you know, definitively at least a month ago. I know we talked about it on our podcast. We thought for sure he was going to get the nomination, but then Bloomberg kind of blew up a little bit. You know, he brought a ton of money into his campaign, so it's definitely going to be interesting. Like, I think it'll be Bernie, but we really just don't know. Well, it's interesting now because you know, I guess Andrew Yang is a Californian too. Is yeah. That right? So, Yang so <laughs> yeah. So, uh, didn't Bernie come out and say? Oh, well, no, I guess Bloomberg came out and said that he would want to have Yang could, uh, potentially as his VP. As VP. Yeah. It's going to be interesting right now because, you know. There's talks w- with Michelle Obama yeah, coming yeah. in for. I would have thought, though, that, you know, you know, California's the largest state. And so, yeah. and I guess it's got the largest Democratic Party in, in, in the country, too. And, it, and I would have thought, though, that people would have been talking about a Kamala Harris at some point for vice president just to, just to create alliances in the state. But uh, for now, Bernie's. Bernie's the other top dog. All right. Well, uh, let's move on then to the uh, the next story. So um, uh, the Democrats recently uh, had a debate in South Carolina uh, in front of the upcoming South Carolina primary. Um, during this debate, 
six or uh, uh, seven candidates uh, went up against each other. Uh, those uh, those candidates being Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, uh, former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, uh, former uh, current Massachusetts Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren, businessman Tom Steyer, Minnesota Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren, and New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Uh, the pressure was on after Bloomberg, uh, after Bloomberg's first debate, uh, in which he received negative reaction for his performance. Uh, Bloomberg uh, was back on the debate uh, and largely took aims uh, in the first ten minutes and uh, beyond that uh, against the current front runner, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, on top of that, other candidates took shots at Sanders as well. Uh, with many questioning Sanders's uh, electability, uh, Elizabeth Warren also took shots at Bloomberg, just as she did in the first debate. Once again, doubling down uh, on the non-disclosure agreements. Um, other candidates also tried to take shots at Bernie Sanders, including uh, Pete Buttigieg himself. What were your thoughts on the recent Democratic debate? You, no, you, <laughs> you give your opinion first. I know you're well, a bit more colorful. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, honestly, it was like watching a high school debate. I, I mean, the, uh, just, you know, maybe start off just with the, you know, the announcers lost control of the debate. I, yeah, I mean, it felt highly me, unmoderated. <laughs> uh, to me, it just looked like a bunch of people holding up their hands. I, I don't know if anybody ever watched uh, Welcome Back, Cotter, but but there was a character, Horshack, and, uh, who kept saying, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> and he kept raising his, his hand. It, it was sort of like that. I, I mean, and, and and Elizabeth Warren, oh, my God, tone it down a little, lady. But, you know, um, overall, I do think Bernie Sanders came across as somebody who is, is purity, you know, is, is pretty pure to his ideology you know he, he he had to answer a lot of tough questions i don't think he i don't think he got a lot of his facts right i, I know he was saying a couple times that that well um you know uh, i said the same thing president obama did yeah. so if you go back <laughs> kind of like saying oh what he said yeah you know <laughs> if you go back and you look at some of the uh, truth ratings and that it's sort of like, eh, sort of right maybe not right you know so i thought bernie sanders stood his ground you know I liked Mike Bloomberg more because he sounded like maybe one of the only adults up there. But uh, he and Elizabeth Warren were just going going back and forth. Joe Biden, I think, was was pretty likable, you know. But but his big gaffe was he said that 150 million Americans have been killed by uh, by guns since uh, since 2007. Well, that's over. That's that's a little bit less than half of the people in the country. So he got that wrong. Obviously. That was 150,000. <laughs> But you know, but 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 that wasn't an, an important gaffe, you know, and it's and it's it, 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 it's you know it's continuing a bunch of gaffes, you know. Steyer, why the hell are you up there? I have no idea why that guy's up there. He, you know, I don't know anybody voting for him, but he has a lot of money and he keeps talking about climate change. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, my God, I, I mean, I mean. I don't think she's a highly likable person. I don't think her electability is amazing in the sense of I just everyone I speak to men, women alike, very few people feel like she has that president 
quality, um, that kind of intangible. But one thing I can say about the debates, just watching it, I was, as a Democrat, I was deeply disappointed. It felt like it was extremely unnecessarily hostile. People were just taking low blows and personal jabs at each other rather than actually talking about the important questions. You know, you know, parents and children are still being separated at the border. Obviously, they, it seems like all of them are trying to somehow talk about the ways in which they're the most they've been the most disenfranchised or that, you know, I was poor or, or I, you know, I, I dealt with more obstacles to overcome and, and become who I am today and all this kind of stuff. And it just felt like talk about the issues, stop trying to compete with each other and, and put each other down. It felt like there was a decent amount of camaraderie between Warren and Sanders, which I actually liked. I felt like they were two of the only adults on the stage, but only with each other, <laughs> because I know that obviously didn't really pertain to how they addressed Bloomberg in the previous debate. But personally, I, I'm not <laughs> fan of Bloomberg at all so I I don't I'm a bit biased on the issue I must say but but yeah I mean it was personally in my professional opinion it was a shit show (laughs) that's a technical term I mean Elizabeth Warren though that woman just needs to have some coaching she needs to smile dad okay we talked about this you don't tell women to smile no but 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 in all honesty though you know she's coming across as as you know, I, I think she wanted to show she was tough and she was a debater. But at the same time, I think, as Harriet said, some of the people up there realize that we're, you know, we're setting a standard for somebody who wants to become president. And, and, and you know, frankly, I thought, I thought uh, uh, Mayor Buttigieg, Buttigieg. <laughs> uh, I think he did a pretty good job. And, and Mike Bloomberg did a, did a pretty good job. You know, Senator, was it Klobuchar? Klobuchar, Amy Klobuchar. Uh, Klobuchar. You know, I love her. She's interesting. She's smart. She comes across as a little bit boring, but she. But I'd say, as we talked about, though, you don't want a president who's jazzy and exciting and always keeps you guessing. You know what I mean? (laughs) But that's what President Obama was. President Obama had that certain factor, and and, and, you know, one of the things you think right now, you know, the the Democrats are trying to be President Obama-like, and and so. He's a tough act to follow. Oh, gosh, yeah. Hillary Clinton tried to follow him and just couldn't do the same. <laughs> no. She just couldn't pull it out. So I think that's one of the problems in the party right now is people are trying to to you know gain momentum. But the truth of the matter is <coughs> Bernie Sanders has a certain following, and he's going to have a certain percentage of the vote. He has a good base that I don't think the others have. Now, I think one of the biggest issues in the next couple of weeks, though, will be who is going to drop out? And, and whoever drops out, will their candidates go to Bernie Sanders? And that's where I think Bernie's going to have some problems. Um, all right. Uh, so let's move on to uh, the next uh, story. So um, uh, so uh, Donald Trump uh, is officially congrat- has officially congratulated Bernie Sanders on a decisive win uh, in Nevada uh, in a tweet uh, Donald Trump said the following, quote, Looks like Crazy Bernie is doing well in the great state of Nevada. Biden and the, and the rest look weak. And no way Mini Mike, referring to Mayor Mike Bloomberg, can restart his campaign after the worst debate performance in the history of presidential debates. Congratulations, Bernie, and don't let the, uh, them take it away from you. Unquote. Uh, President Trump also said uh, in a gathering with reporters... Uh, he said he believes that Bernie Sanders is on track to be the Democratic nominee, but says he thinks that Democrats might, quote, rig it from him, 
uh, unquote. Uh, what were your thoughts on Trump's response to Bernie's win in Nevada? Well, Trump is away with words, doesn't he? Um, his tweets definitely come across. It's never boring. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like I said, I don't know if that's what you want as a president um, or from a president. But I, I think, you know, I think Trump sees Bernie as an easy opponent to beat. So I think that's why he's so highly encouraging and congratulatory in terms of Bernie, you know, winning the, the caucus and stuff like that. But I personally think, you know, my dad and I have talked about this before, stop tweeting. I mean, these little digs. But I mean, the thing is, he's really used this as part of his campaign, you know? Like, what is it? Uh, well, what was the word? Little mini Mike, you know, he, he, he's been tweeting all these images of Mike Bloomberg behind a podium, not able to look over. You know, he's been tweeting image Bernie with crazy hair. I mean, the guy just creates these almost personas of people who he's looking to beat and uses that as part of his his campaign platform in a sense. And that's the thing when anybody has when everybody is a common enemy, it's, it's highly divisive. And sadly, it's really worked for him. So I don't think he's going to stop anytime soon. But I mean, I'm not a fan of the way in which he talks about people and talks to people. And if the worst thing he can say about Bernie is he looks crazy because the guy always looks a little disheveled, you know, then that's not the worst thing. I mean, there's many things we could call Trump. But what do you think? Yeah, I think you got a couple of, of, of points and factors working here. One is that um, Donald Trump sees Bernie Sanders as his best opposition. Yeah. And okay, he thinks he can beat Bernie Sanders because in his mind it comes down to capitalism versus socialism and, and as as I think as President Trump would say communism. So in his mind he thinks, you know, of course he wants to he wants to go against somebody that he thinks he can beat. Secondly, you know, I don't want to say they're buddies or or they're friends or they hang out together. But Bernie Sanders and uh, President Trump are very nationalistic, you know, maybe from different perspectives. But, but it, 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 you know, they, they both have followings where people are very pro-American. And it's interesting that there was, um, you know, some studies done on the last election showing that some of uh, Senator Sanders' supporters actually came over and supported President Trump. So, you know, you know, there is some similarities there. And, you know, uh, I do think one of the things that the president is not taking into consideration, though, is in some of the main battleground states like Pennsylvania and Michigan, Ohio, you know, some of those people could come over and vote for Bernie. You know, in, in some of those states, you know, previously in 2016, you know, I couldn't see them voting for Hillary Clinton. But it would be interesting now to uh, to see if they would think that that, that – that uh, Bernie Sanders represents them more than Donald Trump. And I guess lastly, I, I mean, I mean, look, it's all you know. President Trump, you know, maybe at some point they'll be the anti-presidential tweet act or something like that. But but as long as we have that right now, I think it's funny watching his dialogue back and forth with Mike Bloomberg. I mean, they—I um, don't want to call them friends. They but, are friends, uh, but they have been. Uh, I mean, they're so similar. Yeah, he's a and, Democratic Trump. Yeah, yeah. That way. and they're so similar, and it's just funny to watch them going back and forth. I think. On yeah. That. And, and look, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, as Harriet, uh, this is about party politics. Party's about having a good time, and so, and so, I think these guys are having a good time doing uh, doing what they're doing. So. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's move on to the next story. So Bernie Sanders uh, is coming uh, under uh, uh, fire. Uh, for his view on uh, Fidel Castro's uh, 
<clears throat> uh, literacy program. Uh, he said in an interview on 60 Minutes, he said, quote, it's unfair to simply say that everything under Castro is bad, uh, noting uh, that uh, the truth is the truth. Um, Sanders uh, defended uh, Castro's literacy program, um, it, although he did condemn uh, Sa- he did condemn uh, Castro's regime overall in Cuba. Uh, in spite of this, uh, Sanders is still, uh, many have argued that uh, uh, arguing to try and defend uh, Castro uh, is a controversial move, um, and Sanders has come under fire from a lot uh, of other uh, sources. Um, during the Democratic debate, uh, Democratic candidates uh, went after Sanders uh, for uh, for uh, defending Castro's literacy program, Sanders uh, tried to respond um, by claiming Barack Obama uh, had once uh, defended uh, uh, elements of Castro's administration, to which uh, Vice President Biden uh, bit back at Sanders for that uh, remark. Uh, what are your thoughts on the controversy uh, surrounding uh, Sanders and uh, his defense of Castro's literacy program? So personally, and I mean, I might be an outlier here, but my, my father had the opportunity to visit Cuba under the Obama administration. And I I personally think that, you know, nothing is 100% black and white. I think that even, you know, the worst people, the worst of the worst people have positive attributes about them. And I think that, you know, I don't think that it's a bad thing to say the literacy program under Castro was a bad idea. It led to a pretty highly educated public and, you know, I, I'm in favor of it. I think that, for example, I mean, this might sound controversial, so to speak, and no, I'm not running for president, but, you know, Adolf Hitler liked dogs. You know, the guy liked art. Obviously, everything he else about veget- him was, vegetarian. Yeah, was terrible. But I still think that you can be highly critical of a person and still say, okay, well, this is something that they did too. I mean, I dislike Donald Trump greatly, but I'm still willing to say, okay, he did this really well. I'm a fan of the way in which, you know, he spoke about uh, supporting Hong Kong while they're looking for their independence. Like he's done some really good things. And so to just paint one person or one regime or administration or paint Fidel Castro as purely good or evil, I think is is silly and kind of childish. But what, what do you think? Well, you know, I understand from an intellectual standpoint what Bernie Sanders is saying. But I think the more you get into the facts of the situation, you're going to see that, that yeah, maybe by some standards, education, healthcare was better, but by a lot of standards, it's, it's not because, you know, Cuba doesn't have the resources it can to provide its students with internet access or, or to provide its, its people with really great healthcare. So, you know, I get, I get what Bernie Sanders is saying. But I think it's a losing proposition to defend Castro in America today in American politics. And I think his opponents on both the right and the left are, are getting after him about it. And I think Bernie Sanders has just lost. He, he, he lost Florida. Just, you know, he's going to lose Florida because of it. You know, and the, the, the thing about Bernie Sanders is the more you get him talking about his policies, the more he's going to talk and the more I think he's going to have room to mess up. I think he's, I think he's going to, you know, have room to mess up. So if I was Bernie's handlers, I would say, (laughs) you make it sound like he's a circus animal. (laughs) Well, you know, I I would stick to the talking points and that he's only, he can only lose on Cuba. 
All right. Uh, well, let's move on to the next story. Bernie Sanders also facing uh, some more backlash uh, for a proposed uh, run uh, from uh, 2012. It was reported that apparently Bernie Sanders attempted uh, to uh, prime or considered uh, <clears throat> primarying then President Barack Obama in a Democratic primary setting uh, in 2012. Um, Allegedly, uh, it was Harry Reid who calmed Sanders down and convinced him against uh, running against uh, Obama in 2012. Uh, However, in spite of that, uh, uh, Vice President Joe Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden, has been using uh, this against Sanders. Um, He uh, attacked Sanders at the recent debate in South Carolina uh, for uh, considering running uh, in 2012, and recently attacked him at a recent rally in South Carolina. What are your thoughts on uh, on this news? Yeah, it, maybe I can start on that one. And, and, you know, uh, what you got to realize when, when people run for president is as you get older, you, you know, you're thinking that your chance is going to go. And so... You know, it was obvious Bernie Sanders wanted to run for president. You know, uh, it's interesting that he was even considering running against Barack Obama, especially because I think that would have been Barack Obama's second term. Yeah. But, you know, let's be clear uh, what happened against Hillary Clinton. Uh, Bernie Sanders was put up as a straw man against Hillary Clinton because she needed to have people to go against. And and that's sort of what a couple candidates have been, you know, have been doing against President Trump on the Republican side. And I don't think anyone, including Hillary Clinton, expected Bernie Sanders to garner as much support as he did. Uh, so, uh, I mean, did did he? You know, was he going to run against uh, President Obama? I think he was. And you know, would it have been bad for the Democratic Party at that time? I think it would have been. But Bernie Sanders has a base of support that that I don't think any of these other candidates have. He has a solid base of support. The trick for Bernie Sanders is, is he going to be able to grow beyond the 20 to 30 percent of the of, of the of the support he'll get? And, and, and can he win with the superdelegates? You know, the, the study we saw in the superdelegates is that no way he's he's going to win on that one. So. Um, and for me personally, just with regards to, you know, oh, we can't trust him to build on Obama's legacy because he tried to go against Obama back in 2012. And, you know, he was critical of some of the things he did. I think that, you know, this crazy party loyalty that everybody always preaches about, both Republican and Democrat, just because you're a part of the same party as somebody doesn't mean that you can't be critical of something that you disagree with that they're doing. And that's that's kind of just how I feel. And obviously you see it, too, with any election, anytime someone's running against somebody else or looking to bring break into politics, they're always going to say things about their opponent, you know? So I don't think you can take it to say, oh, Bernie's against the Democratic Party and he's, you know, all of these things, because I think he's a good person. I think he has good intentions, but, you know, he was just looking to make a name for himself and you can't really fault him for that. All right. Uh, Well, uh, let's move on to the next story then. Uh, So after uh, a crushing defeat, uh, in Iowa, uh, New Hampshire, and Nevada, Joe Biden is hoping uh, to regain steam in South Carolina. Um, the former vice president of the United States has been campaigning there heavily, um, and he um, 
<clears throat> and he has been opening up a lead uh, in polls. Uh, according to a new poll from, uh, from Monmouth University, uh, Joe Biden is leading Bernie Sanders by 20 points. Uh, according to this poll, Sanders is nearly tied for second with businessman Tom Steyer. Meanwhile, uh, Senator uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren and former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg uh, are falling behind in uh, eighth, uh, falling behind with just eight percent of the vote for Warren and six percent of the vote uh, for uh, for um, Buttigieg. Um, uh, additionally, uh, an Emerson poll puts Biden at 41 percent uh, compared to Sanders with 25, followed by Steyer at 11, uh, tied with Buttigieg at 11, uh, with Warren, uh, with Klobuchar at six, Warren at five and Gabbard at two. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Biden's chances in South Carolina? Does he have a chance to regain momentum here? Uh, will he come he in first? My understanding is there aren't any Southern Democrats left in, in, in the presidential primary, so somebody has to garner that vote down South. And you would think that Joe would be a natural to do that since he was vice president for two terms and since he's been on the public stage. Uh, but, you know, I'm a little bit concerned from for the Democrats because, you know, there are some large populations there, African-American <laughs> population, you know, who who may feel a bit slighted by the Democrats right now. So, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders, it looks like Bernie Sanders has you know, his solid support throughout the country. But, uh, you know, if, if President Biden doesn't hit those numbers right now, I would think his candidacy is going to really be on the decline. You know, the, 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 you know the, the problem is the Democrats should be worried about the South right now because the South is very solidly Republican, and and but 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 there are are some areas of the South where where there are Democrats. But I I don't you know if you look at the South Carolina debate, there was a lot of pandering going on to to various you know minority groups and the like, and you know in the South. But you know I'm not sure the Democrats have a good Southern strategy right now. No, I, I agree. I think that they're kind of grasping at straws to figure out how they can best appeal to the South. But I do applaud them in the sense that I don't feel like any of them are trying to mold themselves or change their messaging to kind of mesh with the South better. I mean, they're not pulling a Hillary Clinton yeah, with her accents yeah. going down South talking about how she's a big fan of her grandma's pecan pie. And like, she's she literally, Chicago. it's hilarious. And I, I'm a, I was a fan of, you know, and I supported Hillary Clinton. I voted for her. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think all of that flip-flopping, you know, I think that they're sticking to their guns, they're sticking to their message, and they're not trying to make themselves anything they're not. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Okay, don't go anywhere. I'm just going to pause real quick. So uh, let's move on to uh, the next story. Um, so uh, Joe Biden picking up some endorsements uh, out of Sal- uh, ahead of the South Carolina primary. Yeah. Uh, uh, Virginia Senator... Uh, and uh, 2016 Democratic nominee for Vice President Tim Kaine announced today that he will be endorsing Biden's candidacy for the presidency. Uh, additionally, uh, South Carolina, popular South Carolina Congressman uh, Tim, or sorry, uh, Jim Clyburn uh, announced that he will also be endorsing Biden and 
uh, believes that a Biden uprising could be on the horizon. What are your thoughts on these endorsements? I mean, personally, I I think he's scrambling at the last minute to try to find support where he can. I mean, if you're, you know, obviously active and present on Twitter, uh, he's been trying to get the hashtag trending. We know Joe. And it's been just kind of a recent thing. And I get it. You know, he's trying to play on the fact that, you know, he's Uncle Joe and, and we know him and all that kind of stuff. And I do think he's a good guy. I think he'd make a great president. But I think it's a little bit last minute. And I feel like he doesn't he's getting a little bit nervous, honestly. But let, you know, look, so any endorsements he gets are great right now. The problem is, where were they before? Exactly. Why are, why are why they, are they the last now? hour now? And also, we all know the biggest endorsement that everybody would be jump up and down is Barack Obama, and he hasn't He isn't. I mean, Uncle Joe, his best and friend. So, so, you know, where is that? And, and I think that the lack of a of an endorsement from President Obama is hurting him an awful lot. I think Biden's own gaffes are hurting him. I think some part of the party will come back to him, but if he, you know, for example, if he gets, if he doesn't win South Carolina, he's over. It's over for him. I, I mean, it really is. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I think this is the last ditch effort for him right now. No, I, I totally agree. All right, um, and so the next story is uh, surrounding uh, uh, is surrounding Super Tuesday. So Super Tuesday, obviously, on the horizon. Um, <clears throat> uh, right now, uh, multiple states will uh, have primaries uh, on that date, including California, Utah, Colorado, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, uh North Carolina, Virginia, Minnesota, Vermont, and Massachusetts. Uh, right now, uh, Bernie Sanders appears to have the lead uh, in uh, uh, in California, uh, while Texas currently appears to be down to the wire in polls between Biden uh, and uh, Sanders. Uh, meanwhile, Biden appears to be leading in some of the southern states, uh, while Sanders is also leading uh, in Massachusetts, he is currently eight points uh, ahead of uh, uh, of uh, Elizabeth Warren in her own in her own home state, uh, according to a recent poll. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on the uh, what What do you think is going to happen on Super Tuesday? Uh, what are your thoughts on what could happen for the candidates? Uh, I, uh... My thoughts right now, from a Democratic standpoint, I think Bernie Sanders is going to come on top. I think Pete Buttigieg is going to do is going to be second. I think Joe Biden is probably going to be third. Elizabeth Warren will be fourth. Uh, I think Amy Klobuchar will drop out, and I think Mike Bloomberg will. I, I think Mike Bloomberg will keep going. I think Tom Steyer. Tom Steyer could drop out uh, at this point. I, I, I think he's made his point in South Carolina. But, uh, you, you know, I, I think Bernie Sanders is going to be the winner here. Uh, and and I, I think if, 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 uh, if uh, Senator uh, uh, Kovacher drops out, I think her support will probably go to probably a combination of Joe Biden and then also... Elizabeth Warren. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. 
All right. Um, uh, or, or, yeah, sorry. Continue. Did, uh, did you have No, anything? no, that's uh, – yeah. And I apologize. We're we're sort of coming down here. Uh, i got to be on a call at 12 and Harrod's got – Yeah, I'm, I apologize. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us come on the show. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, I totally, totally messed fine. up the time. That's my bad. Awesome. That's fine. Well, this is fun, though. Let, let's do this again. Let's, let's have you on our show, too. If sure. you wouldn't mind. Sure. Sounds good. Where are you based? Uh, New York. Oh, awesome. We're in New York. New York City or upstate? Uh, upstate. Upstate. We're in upstate. Uh, like uh, near Albany, like, like near, oh, okay. near that place, yeah. No, I, I went to school at Cornell, so I spent mm. a lot of time in, in uh, freezing my rear end off. In you said it was the coldest you ever thought you'd be in your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for joining me. Uh, do you want to tell people before you go where you can be found? Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, you can find us on uh, nowhearmeoutpodcast.com. You can listen to us on Podbean, iTunes. Uh, find us on Instagram, same handle, Now Hear Me Out Podcast. We're also on Facebook, Now Hear Me Out Podcast. And uh, yeah, if you if you want to listen, please you know give us a listen. We are a bipartisan political podcast, and we would love to to have you listen to our to our show. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you for joining me again. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. 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 Uh, You know, I think if you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. He's one of the most far-left candidates in the Democratic field. His unconventional ideas have given him a cult following and made him one of the front-runners in the Democratic primary. This is Bernie Sanders, and this is his story. The candidates keep America great. Their story. Yeah, you're always when you're young, you're always patted on the head and told that you're the future. But I'm interested in what you can bring to the present. And their fight for the White House. I have the most progressive record of anybody running. If you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. Presidential profiles 2020. How we could actually make this government work, not just for a thin slice at the top, but make it work for everyone else. I think that, sure, if people want to speculate about running mates, I encourage that, because I think that Joe Biden would be a great running mate as vice president. Bernard Sanders was born on the 8th of September, 1941 in Brooklyn, New York to Elias Ben Yehuda and Dolores Sanders, both immigrants from Russia and Poland. Sanders' uncle Abraham Sknutzer was killed during the Holocaust, and the events leading up to Adolf Hitler's election as Chancellor of Germany sparked Sanders' interest in politics. Sanders attended PS 197 in elementary school. His older brother Larry has said that although basic necessities like food and housing were affordable for the family, more expensive items like rugs or curtains were harder to afford. Sanders attended James Madison High School and joined the track team where he eventually became captain and took third place in a Nick Indoor race. Sanders ran for student body president in high school, but came in third place. 
Shortly after graduation, Sanders was faced with tragedy when his mother died at just 46 years of age. A few years later, his father died at just 57 years of age. Sanders attended Brooklyn College, and eventually the University of Chicago. At the time he became a writer, and started writing rape fetish erotica, which many have criticized him for today. Sanders quickly became a political activist in college. He joined Young People's Social League and joined the civil rights movement in the 1960s. He was even arrested at one point for his involvement. He also rallied against George Beadle's segregated housing initiative and attended Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous March on Washington. Sanders also heavily protested the Vietnam War. After graduating from college, Sanders perused different jobs like being a teacher and a carpenter. However, he decided to move to Vermont in 1968. He made what he called radical educational films for public schools in the state. Ordinary citizens feel very hopeless about the future. In Burlington, we have shown that you can stand up to the system and at least you can win some good victories. Sanders launched multiple third-party campaigns on the Liberty Union Party line. In 1972, he ran for governor of Vermont against Democrat Thomas Salmon and Republican Luther Hackett. Salmon defeated Hackett by a 53-43% margin. Sanders only received 1% of the vote. Sanders also ran for Senate that year, only getting 2% of the vote against Democrat Randolph T. Major, Jr.'s 33%, and Republican incumbent Robert Stafford's 64%. Sanders made another effort for Senate two years later, this time getting 4%, as compared to Republican Congressman Richard Mallory's 46% and Democrat Patrick Leahy's 49%. Sanders ran again for in 1976, once again seeking the Liberty Union line. He faced Republican Richard Snelling and Democratic State Treasurer Stella Hackel. Sanders did slightly better, receiving a better-than-expected 6% of the vote. However, he still came in third as Hackel received 40% of the vote, and Snelling received 53%. Sanders finally saw his big break in 1981 when he ran for mayor of Burlington, Vermont. I won the election, I think, because we effectively put together a coalition of low-income people, elderly people, who in Vermont are very often up against the world economically in very bad shape. Sanders challenged incumbent Democratic Mayor Gordon Paquette. Sanders, who had never won an election in his life, which led to many not viewing him as a serious candidate. This led to Paquette barely campaigning due to his belief that Sanders couldn't win. However, in a down-to-the-wire race, Sanders beat Paquette by just 10 votes, making him the city's 37th mayor at just 39 years of age. If I were the president of the largest bank in Burlington, I'd be real nervous about you. Well, they may be. Sanders called himself a socialist during his time as mayor, and has come under fire for statements he has made about the Soviet Union at the time. I think it's also fair to point out that when we were in Moscow, for example, I think most of the people here also were extremely impressed 
by their public transportation system. Sanders hosted a foreign policy speech with libertarian socialist Noam Chomsky, whom he praised. Sanders balanced the city's budget and brought a minor league baseball team, the Vermont Reds, to town. His legacy was most remembered for his Lake Champlain renovation efforts. Sanders was easily re-elected multiple times. In 1983 he defeated Democrat Judy Stephanie by 52-30% margin. He also beat Republican James Gilson who received 17% of the vote. In 1985, he faced a more serious challenger, former Democratic Lieutenant Governor of Vermont, Brian Burns as well as Independent Diane Gallagher. In spite of the challenge, Sanders won by a 56-31% margin over Burns. Gallagher received 12% of the vote. In 1987, he was elected to his final term, defeating Democrat Alderman Paul Lafayette by a 55-30% margin. In 1987, U.S. News and World Reports ranked Sanders amongst the greatest mayors in America and called Burlington one of the most livable cities. When they stood up to the bosses and the government and fought to create the unions that would provide them with decent wages and decent working conditions, freedom, dignity, the willingness to stand up against the mighty and the powerful, the human spirit, strong, resilient, alive. In 1988, Vermont's single Republican congressman Jim Jeffords announced he'd retire from his House seat to run for U.S. Senate. The vacancy gave Vermont Democrats state lawmaker Paul Poirier, whilst Republicans nominated Vermont's Lieutenant Governor Peter Smith. Sanders launched an independent run for the seat. With Poirier losing momentum, Democrats turned to Sanders. On election day, Sanders lost to Smith by a 41-37% margin. A year later, Sanders retired as Burlington's mayor to focus on a rematch in 1990. This time, Vermont's Democratic Party cross-endorsed him. Smith's decision to support an assault weapons ban hurt him with gun-owning constituents. In 1990, Sanders beat Smith by a 56-39% margin. Sanders angered colleges on both sides of the aisle for accusing them of being bought off by lobbyists. Sanders started the Congressional Progressive Caucus, but refused to caucus with either party. He also fought for banking reform in the House. In 1992, Sanders ran for re-election. He faced Republican Tim Philbin. Democrats nominated Lewis Young. In spite of challenge from both sides, Sanders defeated Philbin by a 57-30% margin. Young only received 7% of the vote. They want to see our industry be rebuilt. That's what they want to see. No more B-2 bombers. No more Star Wars. Let's make the quality products we need. Let's invest in American industry. The Amer no, I won't yield. The American people want to see our kids educated. In 1994, Sanders faced his most formidable foe yet, Republican John Carroll. Carroll was gaining momentum in the race, and a strong Republican current in 1994 gave Sanders the fight of his life. 
Sanders ultimately beat Kirill, albeit by narrow 49-46% margin. This marks Sanders' narrowest congressional win to date. Sanders had more luck in 1996 when he beat Republican Susan Sweetser by a 55-32% margin. Democrat Jack Long received 9% of the vote. In 1998, he beat Republican Mark Candon by landslide 63-32% margin. He saw his biggest House victory in 2000, when he beat Republican Corin Ann Kirin by a 69-18% margin. Democrat Peter Diamond Stone received a measly 5% of the vote. Sanders retained his progressive voting record, opposing the war in Iraq. In 2002, he beat Republican Bill Mute by a 64-32% margin. Sanders ran for his final House term in 2004 when he beat Republican Greg Park by a 67-24% margin, and Democrat Larry Brown, who received 7% of the vote. Sanders ardently opposed the bailout of big banks in his final term, and opposed the Patriot Act. In 2006, incumbent Senator Jim Jeffords, who was elected as a Republican but had since become an independent who caucuses with Democrats announced he would not be seeking re-election. Sanders ran on the Democratic line to replace him. He was endorsed by New York Senator Chuck Schumer. Sanders won the Democratic primary, but rejected the Democratic line to run as an independent. Nevertheless, no Democrat appeared on the ballot, and Sanders retained the endorsement of the Vermont Democratic Party. He faced Republican businessman Richard Tyrant. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message because dishonest ads should not be part of Vermont politics. For months, my opponent, Rich Tarrant, has been spending millions telling us about himself. Well, it's his money and he can spend it if he wants, but he has no right to distort my record or what I stand for. I can't match his money ad for ad, but I'll let the truth speak for itself. I trust you to use your good judgment. Please go to my website and check the facts. Thanks for listening. Sanders beat Tarrant by a 65-32% margin. Sanders announced he would caucus with the Democratic Party, which gave them a narrow 51-49-seat majority in the U.S. Senate at the time. Sanders pushed for banking reform and supported an auditing of the Federal Reserve. Sanders opposed President-elect Barack Obama's nomination of Timothy Jeefner for Treasury Secretary. He, along with fellow Democrats such as West Virginia Senator Robert Burke, Wisconsin Senator Russ Feingold and Iowa Senator Tom Harkin all voted no on Jeefner's nomination, though he was eventually confirmed by the Senate. We don't know what the overall election results for the United States will be tonight. But what we do know is that this is a pivotal moment in American history. In 2012, Sanders ran for re-election against Republican John McGovern, a former Massachusetts state lawmaker. Sanders beat McGovern by a 71-24% margin, the largest victory of his political career. In 2016, Bernie Sanders made a crucial announcement.
Clinton's first official challenger for the Democratic presidential nomination. Sanders announced his candidacy for President of the United States as a Democrat. Initially, Sanders wasn't taken seriously, however, Sanders saw a huge following of younger supporters and saw a huge pouring in of donations. However, he still lacked in the polls in comparison to front-runner, former First Lady, former New York Senator and former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Madam Chair, I move that the convention suspend the procedural rules. I move that all votes, all votes cast by delegates be reflected in the official record. And I move that Hillary Clinton be selected as the nominee of the Democratic Party for President of the United States. Sanders received polarized reaction for his positions. Many praised what they viewed as parallels to President Franklin D. Roosevelt who argued for workers' rights and left-wing populism. Others criticized Sanders for his socialist voting record. Sanders won 23 states, but lost the nomination to Clinton. WikiLeaks later leaked classified emails from the Democratic National Committee revealing me-dailing occurred to help Clinton obtain enough delegates to win the Democratic nomination. Sanders endorsed Clinton's campaign for president regardless, but changed his party registration from Democrat back to independent, though he would continue to caucus alongside Democrats. Clinton would eventually lose the general election to Republican New York businessman Donald Trump. Sanders instantly became a staunch critic of Trump and campaigned for left-wing socialist candidates like himself during the 2018 midterm elections. One such candidate was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who defeated New York Representative Joe Crowley in a Democratic primary upset. This is what organizing looks like. Sanders was re-elected yet again to the U.S. Senate in 2018, by a 67-27% margin defeating Republican Lawrence Lupin. Rumors spread that Sanders would run for president again as a Democrat in 2020. In early 2019, he announced he'd do just that. If elected, he would be America's first Jewish president and would be the oldest president at 79 years of age. Polls consistently show him in second behind for former U.S. Vice President and former Delaware Senator Joe Biden. Now, he hopes to be America's 46th president. Welcome to the political revolution. To learn more about every candidate for president, keep it right here on Politics Weekly, and make sure to stay after each episode for Presidential Profiles 2020. And so I called him, the kind of man he was, I called him on Wednesday and said, Senator Boggs, I'm not feeling well. I don't feel well at all, so I'm not going to be there for Returns Day. And there was silence, and he said, Joe, he said, I was proud to run every time I won, and I'd be proud to run, ride with you even though I lost. That's how politics used to be in my state. He is the front runner in the 2020 Democratic field. He spent 40 years in the political game and spent eight years as vice president of the United States. Now, he hopes to be America's commander in chief.
This is Joe Biden, and this is his story. The candidates keep America great. Their story. Yeah, you're always when you're young, you're always patted on the head and told that you're the future. But I'm interested in what you can bring to the present. And their fight for the White House. I'm the most progressive record of anybody running. If you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. Presidential Profiles 2020. How we could actually make this government work, not just for a thin slice at the top, but make it work for everyone else. I think that, sure, if people want to specula speculate about running mates, I encourage that, because I think that Joe Biden would be a great running mate as vice president. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. was born on November 20, 1942 in Scranton, Pennsylvania in St. Mary's Hospital to Catherine Eugenia and Joseph Sr. He is the oldest of his four siblings, and is of Irish descent on his mother's side while his father is of English, French and Irish descent. He was raised in a Catholic household most of his life, and his parents were blue-collar workers from Baltimore, Maryland. Biden's great-grandfather, Edward Francis Blewett was member of the Pennsylvania State Senate. Biden's father has amassed a large quantity of wealth early in life, but suffered finically following the birth of his first son. Eventually, a lack of employment availability forced Biden and family to move to Claymont, Delaware in 1953, where his father became a car salesman. Biden attended the Archmere Academy, where he joined the school's football team, and participated in an anti-segregation sit-in. An above-average student, Biden graduated in 1961 and attended the University of Delaware where he continued to play football. At one point, he considered a career in the sport but eventually decided against it. He began dating Nelia Hunter, a classmate at the university, and told her he hoped to become a U.S. Senator by the age of 30 and eventually become president. Biden decided to axe his plans to be on the varsity football team and focused on his political ambitions. He received a half scholarship to the Syracuse University College of Law. Biden became disinterested in law school and came under fire for plagiarized sources in a 15-page paper. Biden blamed this on his lack of knowledge regarding citations. He received an F on the assignment, though it was later erased from his record. Eventually, Biden graduated, and managed to be exempt from the Vietnam War draft. He married Nelia. He had three children with her. From 1968 to 1969, Biden registered as an independent. He clerked for William Prickett, a Republican in the area, and considered himself more a Republican. However, he was disgusted by the far-right ideas of then-Democratic Delaware Governor Charles Terry. He supported moderate Republican Russell Wilson in the 1968 Delaware gubernatorial race. Wilson was successful in his attempts. In 1969, Biden registered as a Democrat to run for political office. He ran for Newcastle County Council, running a more leftist campaign despite the area being conservative. Biden won by a comfortable margin. Before taking office, Biden was already discussing a potential run for U.S. Senate. In 1972, Biden retired to run for U.S. Senate against incumbent Republican Senator J. Caleb Boggs, who was seeking a third term. Boggs initially sought to retire, but President Richard Nixon, who was seeking a second term against South Dakota Senator George McGovern that year, 
convinced Boggs to run again to avoid a competitive Republican primary between then Wilmington mayor and former Congressman Harry Haskell Jr. and then Congressman Pete DuPont. Biden was unopposed in the Democratic primary. Biden lacked campaign funds and constantly trailed to Boggs by 30 points in polls. However, Biden hoped he could gain momentum as a young, fresh candidate in contrast with the older Boggs. Biden at the time ran a pro-environmentalist, non-interventionist campaign and supported withdrawal from Vietnam. In 2004, it was disclosed that someone on Biden's campaign met with Mafia hitman Frank Sheeran and discussed the possibility of him not distributing the Wilmington New Journal, a prominent newspaper in Delaware the week before the election as the paper featured a negative as about Biden. Sheeran agreed and the newspaper ceased distribution the week before the race. Incumbent Senator Caleb Boggs is running a little behind a man named Joseph Biden who is too young to go into the U.S. Senate. He won't be 30 until November the 20th. Boggs is following, lagging behind Biden. Biden won by a narrow 3,162 votes on election night. However, before being sworn in, Biden was faced with tragedy. On December 18, 1972, Biden's wife Nelia died in a car accident in Hokesson, Delaware. She was only 30 years old. His youngest daughter, Naomi I was also in the vehicle, and died at just one year of age. The tragedy gave Biden also convinced Biden to resign, though he was later convinced against that decision. Biden was sworn in on January 3, 1973. Biden became a single father for four years until meeting Jill Jacobs on a blind date set up by his brother. Eventually the two were married and had one daughter, Ashley, together. During his first term, Biden pushed for more environmental regulations and opposed busing desegregation, a position which many have criticized him for to this date. In 1974, Time magazine called Biden one of the 200 faces for the future. Biden ran for re-election to a second term in 1978 and beat Republican James H. Baxter Jr., the Sussex County recorder of deeds by a 58-41-point margin. Biden became known as a more moderate senator who would vote across the aisle. He even voted in favor of President Ronald Reagan's tax cuts. After Republicans retook the Senate in 1981, Biden became the ranking minority leader of Senate Judiciary Committee. He also focused on arms control regulations. However, Biden became a bigger critic of Reagan's in 1986, when he was re-elected to a third term by a landslide, beating former Delaware State House Majority Leader John M. Burris by a 60-40% to 40 margin. In 1988, Biden attempted to fulfill his lifelong dream of winning the presidency. He announced his candidacy in a Wilmington train station in the summer of 1987. An economy that is neither surging nor collapsing, its growth, its productivity, its world position, steadily, inexorably slowing, delivering a sluggish stand. At first, Biden was considered a serious contender, especially after Colorado Senator Gary Hart, who was considered the Democratic Party front-runner up to that point dropped out due to an affair. However, Biden began to trail in the polls to Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis and Tennessee Congressman Dick Gephardt. Biden was accused of plagiarizing a speech written by former UK Labour Party leader Neil Kinnock. Biden cited Kinnock as his source during one rally, but forgot to when he gave the speech to another crowd. The controversy led Biden drop out and return to the Senate. 
Dukakis eventually won the Democratic nomination for president in 1988, though he lost the election to Republican Vice President George H.W. Bush. Biden returned to the Senate and was re-elected to a fourth term in 1990, defeating Delaware's Deputy Attorney General, Republican M. Jane Brady by a landslide 63-36% margin. He came under fire for his push of the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act in 1994, which vastly expanded the death penalty. He also came under fire for supporting the Hyde Amendment which restricted some tax dollars from going toward performing abortions. In 1996, he was re-elected by another landslide margin of 60-38% over Republican businessman Raymond Clatworthy. Biden controversially voted with Bush on multiple occasions, including voting for the Iraq War. In 2002, Clatworthy challenged Biden to a rematch, but lost to him by a 58-41% margin. In 2004, after winning the Democratic nomination for president, Massachusetts Senator John Kerry considered Biden as a potential running mate, though he eventually selected North Carolina Senator John Edwards instead. The two lost to incumbent Republican President George W. Bush that year. Biden became a staunch opponent of Bush in his final term, opposing deploying more troops to Iraq. However, he did vote for the Bush tax cuts. In 2006, Biden's son Bo ran for Attorney General of Delaware. Although 2006 was a favorable year for Democrats, Bo Biden faced tough competition from Newcastle Superior Court Judge Ferris Wharton, a Republican. However, Bo Biden went on to beat Wharton by a 53-47% margin. In 2008, Joe Biden announced he'd run for the presidency again. Friends, today I filed the necessary papers to become candidate for president of the United States. Biden faced a hard time polling and trailed more prominent candidates like New Mexico governor, former U.S. Energy Secretary, former U.N. Ambassador and former Congressman Dennis Richardson. Former North Carolina Senator and nominee for Vice President in 2004 John Edwards, and the two front-runners, New York Senator and former First Lady Hillary Clinton, and Illinois Senator Barack Obama. Biden's lackluster poll numbers gave pundits little reason to take him seriously. Biden placed fifth in the Iowa caucus, only getting 23 votes. During the New Hampshire primaries, Biden places sixth, still failing to get 1% of the vote. Biden withdrew his candidacy and focused on his next Senate race. However, after Barack Obama won the Democratic nomination, Biden was announced as his running mate for vice president. So let me introduce to you the next president, the next vice president of the United States of America, Joe Biden. The Catholic dioceses in Scranton criticized Biden for his pro-choice positions on abortion and barred him from receiving Holy Communion in Scranton. He was criticized after announcing he wouldn't speak at Catholic schools if elected. No law in Delaware bars candidates for run from running for two public offices at the same time. Because of this, Biden ran for Senate and Vice President at the same time. In the Senate, he faced conservative activist Christine O'Donnell. I'm not a witch. I'm nothing you've heard. I'm you. None of us are perfect, but none of us can be happy with what we see all around us. Politicians who think spending, trading favors, and backroom deals are the ways to stay in office. I'll go to Washington and do what you'd do. I'm Christine O'Donnell, 
and I approve this message. I'm you. In the presidential race, he and Obama faced Republican Arizona Senator John McCain and his running mate, Alaska Governor Sarah Palin. Biden faced Palin in one debate. Weeks before Election Day, Obama and Biden pulled ahead in polling. On Election Day, the Obama-Biden ticket beat the McCain-Palin ticket by a 53 to 46 percent popular vote margin. In the Electoral College, Obama received 365 electoral votes, as compared to McCain's 173 electoral votes. Obama flipped nine states that Bush won in 2004, Colorado, New Mexico, Nevada, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio, Virginia, North Carolina, and Florida. Obama also flipped Nebraska's 2nd Congressional District. The same night, Biden was also re-elected in the Senate, defeating O'Donnell by a 65-35% to 35 margin. Biden was sworn into his newest term on January 3, 2009, but resigned less than a week later. Obama became America's 44th president, and first American-American president on January 20, 2009. Biden became the 47th vice president, and America's first Roman Catholic vice president. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. And I will well and faithfully discharge. The duties of the office on which I am about to enter. The duties of the office upon which I'm about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. Thank you, Mr. Justice. During Biden's first term as vice president, he helped devise a plan to convince Pennsylvania Senator Arlen Specter to switch parties from Republican to Democrat, giving Democrats a supermajority in the U.S. Senate. He also helped devise the Iraq withdrawal plan. In 2010, Bo Biden was encouraged to run for his father's old Senate seat in a special election. However, he declined, instead opting to seek a second term as Delaware's attorney general. Bo Biden had no Republican challenger, and only faced independent Doug Camp, who he defeated by a 79-21% margin. Biden supported deploying troops into Libya in 2011. Biden came under fire for many of his gaffes. Pardon me? In 2012, he and Obama sought out a second term in the White House. They faced former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney and Wisconsin Congressman Paul Ryan on the Republican ticket together. During the campaign, Biden came under fire for a comment he made about slavery. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Biden and Ryan participated in one debate before the election. Polls indicted a dead heat between Obama and Romney. In spite of this, Obama and Biden managed to win a second term in the White House. The Obama-Biden ticket won 332 electoral votes, compared to the Romney-Paul ticket which received 206 electoral votes. 
Obama and Biden also managed to win the popular vote by a 51 to 47 percent margin. Despite this, Romney managed to flip two states Obama carried in 2016, North Carolina and Indiana whilst also flipping back Nebraska's 2nd Congressional District. Biden was sworn into a second term on January 20, 2013. Throughout his second term, he advocated in favor of gun control. In 2016, Obama was unable to run for a third term due to term limits. Biden was heavily rumored to run, as the it's customary for vice president to succeed the president in office. Biden heavily considered a run. Biden's son Bo retired as attorney general of Delaware in 2015 to focus on a potential run for governor of the state in 2016. However, Joe Biden was soon faced with tragedy once again. Biden's son Bo was diagnosed with brain cancer. On May 30, 2015, he died at just 46 years of age. His death took a toll on Biden. Speculation continued to rise about another presidential run. An empty stage was reserved for the first Democratic debate in 2016 in case Biden decided to enter last minute. However, Biden decided against the idea and announced in fall of 2015 that he wouldn't be a candidate for president. He endorsed former Secretary of State, former New York Senator and former First Lady Hillary Clinton for the presidency. She won the nomination, but lost to New York businessman Donald Trump. It was leaked that Clinton was considering making Biden her Secretary of State should she win. Former Democratic National Committee Chair Donna Brazile revealed in a book that she considered replacing the ticket of Clinton and Virginia Senator and former Governor Tim Kaine with Biden and New Jersey Senator former Newark Mayor Cory Booker. Biden left office on January 20, 2017 and was replaced by Indiana Governor and former Congressman Mike Pence. Biden left on an Amtrak train. After leaving office, Biden spent most of his time campaigning for Democrats during the 2018 midterms. Rumors emerged that Biden would run for president in 2020. In 2019, Biden was attacked for his past conduct toward women. In spite of this, Biden announced his campaign for the White House that month. Biden is generally viewed as a moderate, though he has claimed to be the most progressive Democrat in the 2020 field. Now, he's hopes to be America's 46th president. If elected, he'd be the oldest man ever to win the White House at 78 years of age. Polls have indicated Biden is the front-runner in the Democratic primary. The country wasn't built by Wall Street bankers, CEOs, and hedge fund managers. It was built by you. For more Presidential Profiles 2020, check out Politics Weekly each Tuesday. I have a six million person organization around this country, Moms to Men Action in every town. We've got background checks in 20 states, so you can do it. He was once the mayor of the largest city in America. He's been a Republican, independent, and now a Democrat. Now he's finally seeking the presidency. This is Michael Bloomberg, and this is his story. The candidates. All of you know we won the popular vote. Their story. We're not substituting one arrogant billionaire for another. I'm determined to make breaking that link a centerpiece of my presidency. And their fight for the White House. The answer is Presidential Profiles 2020. 
important we share these ideals, but I believe the best way to defeat Donald Trump and deliver for the American people is to broaden and galvanize the majority that supports us on the political issues. We have a president who thinks everything is about him, but I think the job is about you. Michael Rubin Bloomberg was born on February 14, 1942 in Boston, Massachusetts to William Henry and Charlotte Bloomberg. Bloomberg is Jewish. The Bloomberg Center at Harvard Business School is named after his father. He is of Russian descent. Growing up, Bloomberg was an Eagle Scout. After receiving his high school diploma, he attended John Hopkins University and Harvard Business School. Bloomberg went on to work at Solomon Brothers, a large investment firm. Bloomberg was eventually fired and received no severance pay. He went on to work for Innovative Market Systems or IMS and began getting paid more. He designed computers and other technologies for the company. Bloomberg amassed huge sums of wealth in the process. In 1975, he married Susan Brownlee. The two had three children together, one of which being philanthropist Georgina Bloomberg before divorcing in 1990. I'm Emily Rooney. Tonight on Greater Boston, Medford's hometown boy Michael Bloomberg, media magnate and billionaire, and he's sharing secrets. That's next on Greater Boston. Bloomberg started his own company, Bloomberg LP, in 1987, which included Bloomberg News, Bloomberg Tech, and Bloomberg Message. The company received over 325,000 subscribers worldwide. Bloomberg faced controversy when multiple female employees claimed they were sexually harassed by male employees at the company, with one woman claiming she was raped. Bloomberg himself said he'd only accept the rape charges if they came from a third-party source. Bloomberg remarried in 2000 to New York Superintendent of Banks Diana Taylor. In 2001, Bloomberg left the company as CEO to forge his first political campaign for mayor of New York City. Would a multi-billionaire like you want to stand on a street corner in the early morning, in the Bronx, and want to be mayor of this town. Why? Because it's the greatest city in the world, and the opportunity to lead it and to make a difference and to do things that everybody says can't be done is just too much to pass up. Although he had been a Democrat up to that point, Bloomberg switched parties to Republican to run. He faced only challenger in the primary, former Congressman Herman Badillo, who ran on the Republican line despite being registered as a Democrat. Bloomberg easily defeated Badillo in the primary by a 72-28% margin and faced Democratic New York City public advocate Mark Green in the general election. Though the race was close, Bloomberg likely benefited from the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center, as the event increased the popularity of Republican New York Governor George Pataki and then-Republican New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Bloomberg narrowly beat Green by a 50-48% margin. Let me begin by saluting the leadership that Rudy Giuliani has provided over the last eight years. As mayor, Bloomberg made education reform the topic of his first term. Although Bloomberg was Republican, he took liberal positions on issues like abortion and gun control. In spite of this, Bloomberg endorsed Republican President George W. Bush's campaign for re-election in 2004. 
Bloomberg initially faced low approval ratings, though he eventually recovered and relapsed in popularity, leading to him beating Democratic Bronx President Fernando Ferrer, winning the election by a landslide 58-39% to margin. Bloomberg supported Scott and Fritz, a position which opponents have largely criticized him for, and one which he has reversed his opinion on. Bloomberg made poverty the main focus of his second term. In 2007, Bloomberg switched to becoming an independent. A campaign to draft Bloomberg to run as an independent for President of the United States in 2008 was launched, though Bloomberg eventually declined to run. In spite of term limits, a new rule allowed him to seek a third term in 2009. Latest threat, uh, what do you make of it? Credible in the fact that it could happen. Although he was now an independent, the New York City Republican Party endorsed him for re-election. He faced competition from Democratic New York City controller Bill Thompson. The race came down to the wire, but Bloomberg eventually won by a narrow 51 to 46 percent margin. He came under fire in his third term for a proposed soda tax which critics called too intrusive. In 2012, Bloomberg endorsed Democratic President Barack Obama's campaign for re-election. In 2014, he retired after 12 years on the job. Bloomberg became CEO of Bloomberg LP again later that year. In 2016, Bloomberg planned to run for president as an independent preparing an unaired campaign ad and lining up former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Michael Mullen, though Bloomberg eventually scrapped the idea of a run, saying he feared it cow led to Republican New York businessman Donald Trump or Republican Texas Senator Ted Cruz winning the presidency. Bloomberg made headlines for endorsing Democrat Hillary Clinton's campaign for president, though her efforts were unsuccessful, losing to Donald Trump on the Republican line. Bloomberg continued to express interest in a run, criticizing candidates of the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party such as Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders and Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. In 2018, Bloomberg became a Democrat once again, for the first time since 2001, further indicating his interest in a run. However, after the entry of former Vice President Joe Biden into the race, Bloomberg privately told Biden he wouldn't run if Biden performed well in the primary. After Biden rose to front-runner status, Bloomberg announced he wouldn't run, instead endorsing Biden for president. However, in fall of 2019, Biden saw a dip in the polls, leading to Bloomberg announcing his candidacy. As a child and a Boy Scout, I was taught to believe in the promise and potential of America and I've never been more worried about its future than I am today. Bloomberg ran on a moderate platform, presenting himself as the alternative to Biden and Warren. Bloomberg caught criticism for being a billionaire, as many tried to accuse him of buying the election. In spite of, Bloomberg announced he won't receive donations, opting instead to use his own money. Due to Bloomberg's late entry, he announced he wouldn't compete in the early primary states. Bloomberg will officially be on the ballot in Super Tuesday. Now he hopes to be America's 46th president. If elected, he'd be the oldest president at 78 years of age, and the first Jewish president in history.
of the day, you can't just walk in and say, I'm going to solve the problem. You have to try these things and get, get practice and understand, find what doesn't work, what does work. For more Presidential Profiles 2020, keep it right here at Politics Weekly. We need to call it out, we need to attack it head on, and we need to make structural change in our government, in our economy, and in our country. She is one of the most popular and well-known sitting Democratic senators. Her polarizing views have bounced her up to the top of the 2020 Democratic field. This is Elizabeth Warren, and this is her story. The candidates keep America great. Their story. Yeah, you're always when you're young, you're always patted on the head and told that you're the future. But I'm interested in what you can bring to the present. And their fight for the White House. I have the most progressive record of anybody running. If you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. Presidential Profiles 2020. How we could actually make this government work, not just for a thin slice at the top, but make it work for everyone else. I think that, sure, if people want to specula speculate about running mates, I encourage that, because I think that Joe Biden would be a great running mate as vice president. Elizabeth Ann Herring was born on June 22, 1949 in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma to Pauline and Donald. Warren has described her family's situation as middle class. She and her family grew up in Norman, Oklahoma. For many years she claimed to be of Native American descent, a claim that landed her in hot water. Her family fell into debt after her father got a heart attack. Her mother found a job at a Sears shop. Herring herself intended on becoming a teacher, but dropped out of college to marry Jim Warren at age 19. She got a job at IBM, forcing her to move to Houston before moving to New Jersey for a job offer Jim received. They had two children together before divorcing. She eventually married law professor Bruce Mann just two years after divorcing Jim. Warren taught at a school for children with disabilities before pursuing a career as a lawyer. She became a professor at Rutgers University. She shortly taught at Harvard as well. In 2008, then-Senate Majority Leader and Nevada Senator Harry Reid appointed Warren to an oversight committee. President Barack Obama controversially appointed her too as the special advisor for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau before 2010. It now looks as though the President Obama, the administration, is poised to appoint Elizabeth Warren to head up the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Warren retired after less than a year to run for U.S. Senate in Massachusetts. In the Democratic primary, she faced state lawmaker Tom Conroy and Newton Mayor Seti Warren. Ultimately, Warren won the nomination and faced incumbent Republican Senator Scott Brown, who was seeking a full term in office. The race became the most nationally watched non-presidential race of the 2012 election season. In 2011, Warren gained traction for a viral video where she explains her economic Plan. However, Warren's past Native American claims came to life. Brown ran a moderate campaign for re-election. Warren was a keynote speaker at the 2012 Democratic National Convention, advocating for the re-election of President Barack Obama. The race became close, but Warren opened up a lead in the final weeks of campaigning. I'm Elizabeth Warren. 
I'm running for the United States Senate, and before you hear a bunch of ridiculous attack ads, I want to tell you who I am. In November, Warren defeated Brown by a 54 to 46% margin. Warren began drafting legislation to add more Wall Street regulations. Many people have categorized her positions as left-wing populism. Many rumors began circulating that she'd run for president in 2016, but Warren declined. Many progressives hoped she'd endorse Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, as many compared her policies with his. However, she controversially endorsed former U.S. Secretary of State, former New York Senator and former U.S. First Lady Hillary Clinton. This was a decision that led to protests outside of Warren's Senate office. Many rumors stimulated that Clinton might choose Warren as her running mate, which would in turn lead to a two-woman ticket. However, Virginia's Senator, former Governor and former Richmond Mayor Tim Kaine was chosen instead. You were asked why a career as a Wells Fargo insider like you, uh, why that made you the right person to fix the fundamental problems at the bank. And you said, quote, because I've been making change for 29 plus years at Wells Fargo. Clinton eventually lost to New York businessman Donald Trump. Warren became an instant critic of Trump. Trump attacked Warren for false claims of Native American heritage. Yes, we're here. Although we have a representative in Congress who they say was here a long time ago. They call her Poco. The conflict was settled when Warren released data showing she was only one in 1,024th Native American, sparking outrage from Native American tribes. Warren ran for re-election in 2018, facing Republican state lawmaker Jeff Deal by a landslide 60 to 36 percent margin. Warren announced in late 2018 that she'd be running for president. Some polls show her in the top three Democrats running in the 2020 election, with some even showing her in second behind former U.S. Vice President and former Delaware Senator Joe Biden. Now, she hopes to America's 46th president. This is the fight of our lives. For more Presidential Profiles 2020, keep it right here on Politics Weekly. Are you gonna run for president of the United States and do something about it? Do you think she should? Do you think she should? Are you gonna run? <laughs> I have decided to run and will be making a formal announcement within the next week. Whoa! A congresswoman, a war hero, and a progressive who is Tulsi Gabbard, the woman who is standing up to the establishment she once was a part of and now wants to be president? The Candidates Donald Trump has got to be defeated, and I intend to do everything that I can with every other progressive in America making sure that that happens. Their Stories We got a real opportunity to build something. And their fight for the White House. Keep America great, exclamation point. Keep America great. This is Presidential Profile 2020. At that inflection moment, where were you? This is that moment. It's our job to remind the American people that we're looking out for them. So all of you showing the country how you do this. The special interests and the powerful have such an outsized influence and outcome to restore our democracy.
Tulsi Gabbard was born on April 12, 1981 to Mike and Carol in America, Somalia, where she and her family resided until age three when they moved to Hawaii. Gabbard is mixed race. Her father practices Catholicism while her mother practices Hinduism. Gabbard is a believer in Hinduism. Gabbard was homeschooled for most of her life as a child and attended Hawaii Pacific University until 2002 when she ran for the Hawaii State Legislature. Hawaii ran as a conservative Democrat at the time and initially opposed gay marriage and civil unions, a position which has proven to be controversial to this day. Aloha. In my past, I said and believed things that were wrong. And worse, they were very hurtful to people in the LGBTQ community and to their loved ones. Many years ago, I apologized for my words and more importantly, for the negative impact that they had. I sincerely repeat my apology today. I'm deeply sorry for having said them. After winning the nomination, Gabbard defeated Republican Alfonso Jimenez by a 65-35% margin. Gabbard became the youngest member of the Hawaii State Legislature in history. During her time in the legislature, she fought for clean energy leg legislation. However, in 2003, she enlisted in Hawaii's Army National Guard. In 2004, Rita Cabanilla primaried her for her seat in the state legislature. Cabanilla called on Gabbard to resign after joining the National Guard. Gabbard refused, but ceased campaigning, losing the nomination to Kabila by a large margin. Gabbard then went on a 12-month tour in Iraq and was deployed twice. She returned home, and in 2010, she ran for the Honolulu City Council after Rod Grams retired to run for mayor of Honolulu. Gabbard came in first in the first election and advanced to a runoff where she took down Sensanita Mopombo by a 58 to 41% margin. During her time on the Honolulu City Council, she supported legislation to loosen food truck parking restrictions, which was successful. In 2012, she announced she'd be running for the U.S. House of Representatives in the 2nd District after incumbent Democrat Maisie Hirono announced she'd retire to run for a U.S. Senate seat. Gabbard embraced a more progressive platform, supporting LGBT rights and access to abortion. After winning the nomination from her party, Gabbard resigned from her seat on the Honolulu City Council to focus on her campaign. Gabbard also traveled to North Carolina to speak for President Barack Obama at the 2012 Democratic National Convention that year. Tulsi Gabbard, she is going to be the one to watch tonight at the DNC. She defeated Republican Kawika Crowley by an 80 to 19 margin in November. A month after winning her election, Gabbard vied for an appointment to the U.S. Senate seat left vacant by David Inoue, who held the seat for almost 50 years before his death. However, Hawaii Governor Neil Abercrombie controversially appointed Lieutenant Governor Brian Schatz to the seat instead. During her time in Congress, Gabbard introduced the Helping Heroes Fly Act, which was an attempt to improve airport security screenings for injured and handicapped veterans, which easily passed bipartisanly in Congress and was signed into law by President Obama. Crowley challenged Gabbard to a rematch in 2014 and lost to Gabbard by a 78-18 to 18 margin. In spite of President Obama, a member of her own party, being born in Hawaii and winning the state by a whopping 40 
points the same night Gabbard was elected, Gabbard was often at odds with Obama and disagreed with him on foreign policy issues. Gabbard, who was a non-interventionist, attacked Obama for his involvement in Syria. Eventually, Gabbard became the vice chair of the Democratic National Committee. However, she was at odds with the chair of the committee, Florida Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and attacked her for holding only six debates throughout the entire 2016 Democratic primary cycle. Gabbard accused Schultz of trying to prop up former Secretary of State, former New York Senator, and former First Lady Hillary Clinton as the frontrunner. Her criticism of Schultz led to her being disinvited from the Las Vegas Democratic primary debate. Gabbard was informed she would be required to give her superdelegate to Clinton. However, Gabbard refused, and in February of 2016, she made national headlines from resigning from the Democratic National Committee to endorse Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders instead, siding with him for his non-interventionist voting record. So the Democratic Party has has been using the superdelegate system where um, as people are running for president, you have a certain number of, of delegates that go to one person or another uh, based on that state's rules. Rumors swirled that if Sanders was the nominee, he might choose Gabbard as his vice presidential pick. However, Sanders ended up losing the nomination to Clinton. Later, on the eve of the Democratic primary, leaked emails from WikiLeaks revealed that DNC officials conspired to help Clinton win in the primaries. This controversy led to Schultz resigning from her position as DNC chair. Multiple states, Bernie Sanders was listed as a write-in option during the general election, with Gabbard listed in the running mate section of the ballot. Clinton went on to lose to Republican New York businessman Donald Trump. That same night, she took down Republican Angela Caillou by an 81-18% to 18 margin. After Trump won, Gabbard became the source of attention for many Republicans. She came under fire from the left when white nationalist Richard Spencer said he hoped she'd run for president, and KKK wizard David Duke endorsed her to be Trump's Secretary of State. However, Gabbard has denounced both of these individuals. Gabbard endorsed Minnesota Congressman Keith Ellison for DNC chair, though he lost to former Labor Secretary Thomas Perez. Gabbard went on a trip to Syria and controversially said that she believed the United States should not take down Bashar al-Assad's reign as the nation's leader. Gabbard got in trouble for violating House ethics laws. A poll showed Gabbard was, quote, the Republicans' favorite Democrat in Congress. Gabbard supported Bernie Sanders' idea of a Medicare for All system. Rumors spread that Gabbard could seek the nomination for her party in 2020. However, Gabbard kept much of the hype in secret and won re-election to her seat in 2018, dispatching Republican musician Brian Evans by a 77 to 22% margin. In 2019, Gabbard penned an article criticizing Democrats for weaponizing religion. Many believe the criticism was aimed at Hawaii U.S. Senator Maisie Hirono, who once held Gabbard's seat. She fired back. In January of 2019, on Van Jones's show, Gabbard announced her candidacy for president. Now, she hopes to be the first woman president of the United States and the first president of South Asian descent. 
But every time we launch these interventionist regime change wars, it is not only our veterans who pay the price for that. For more Presidential Profiles 2020, keep it right here on Politics Weekly. New episodes every Tuesday.